I'm just going to start recording because that's just how Great. we roll. Oh, I'm going to start recording, but Sky's just literally disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a little, uh, by the time she gets back on board, you'll um, have given BYS a little bit of a plug. Yeah. Here she is. She's back. But in the meantime... <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do the plug first and then we'll go from there. Am I in? You're in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. We're sorted. So I'm, I'm doing a product review of BYS Coffee, as you were talking about before. Oh. By the way, we're recording too. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, just, that's just what we do. We just drop it on you, Sky. <laughs> um, really, 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 really cool to see BYS drop their, um, their cold brew RTD. Very take, a, take another, another step up in the game. Much respect to the lads, Jared and Ash, yeah. for, for making that happen, especially in a pandemic. Even <laughs> a terrible time to, to oh, launch, yeah. but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Even if it didn't taste good, which it does, it looks so aesthetically good, but yeah. I would still drink it anyway. So there congrats, boys. It's fucking <laughs> the goods. Now, more importantly, sorry, BYS. <laughs> we have a special guest on the line, Sky Nicholson. How are you, legend? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Now, I had the pleasure of hanging out with you recently and I got to hear a lot of inside scoop that I'm sure we'll bring up again today because Cell hasn't heard um, all the goss and then obviously a lot of our viewers haven't heard the goss. But for anyone who doesn't know who you are, do you just want to give us a little, a little rundown of who Sky Nicholson is? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I'm a female boxer from the Gold Coast. And uh, I've just qualified for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Woo! That's now in 2021. Which are yeah. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be super confusing for everyone, but. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, so I guess it's all been a bit of a crazy ride these last few weeks with all the coronavirus stuff and qualifying for the Olympics all at the same time. So I'm um, just kind of riding with it at the moment. Really cool. Tell us, awesome. there's, there's so much more to your story um, and I'm sure we'll get into so much, but it's funny. It's just like, you've had so many incredible six, <laughs> you, sorry, can you guys hear that? Yeah. My dog is chewing <laughs> on his little toy. <laughs> it's making the squeaking noises, but anyway, um, you've had so many successes prior to this new success, which is obviously qualifying for the Olympic games that it's superseded everything else. And you yep. didn't even tell us all the rest of it, but <laughs> tell us sort of, give us a little rundown on your journey. Um, you say you're a female boxer, but you've been boxing all your life. Tell us a little bit about how you got started and, yeah. and some of your successes. Uh, so I started boxing when I was 12 years old. Uh, so about 12 years ago, I started boxing and I've never really stopped ever since. Uh, I think probably the most time I've had off is a couple of weeks. Um, so it's definitely been a big part of my life. Um, I've had 140 fights now, um, mostly international, I'd say. Um, I think boxing, when I first started boxing, female boxing was like very, very small. It wasn't in the Olympics, obviously, or the Commonwealth Games or anything like that. Um, so I've kind of grown with the sport. Um, it's, it's massive now. Like this Tokyo will be the third Olympics that has women's boxing. Um, so it's getting 
bigger and bigger all the time. It's going to be five weight divisions at the next Olympics, where it was three in Rio and three in London. So um, the sport's growing and developing all the time, and I've kind of got to grow grow up with the sport, which has been really cool for me. Um, I won my first world championship medal in 2016. Um, I was, how old would I have been? 20? Yeah, I just turned 20. And um, that was like my first big success on the world stage. Um, people started to uh, know my name and know who I was after that. Um, and yeah, I guess like every, every year or so now has just been the next best thing for me. So obviously two years later, 2018 was the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast um, in my hometown, which was really cool, my first games. And um, I won the gold medal. So that was huge for me. Um, another really big milestone in my journey. And, and now two years on from that qualifying for the Olympics, I've, I've just been ticking off these goals step by step. And um, it's just been a really awesome journey. Cool. And obviously, getting into um, a female getting into boxing is fairly rare to begin with. Um, and I know you've got a pretty emotional and strong backstory behind what how you got into boxing. Just tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So um, I grow up. I grew up around the sport. Um, my family's been involved in boxing since long before I was born. Uh, my older brothers both boxed, and uh, Jamie, who unfortunately died in a car accident. Um, before I was born in 1994, um, he was an amazing boxer, one of the best Australia's ever produced. Um, he won medals at the World Championships, Commonwealth Games, went to the Olympics in Barcelona. Um, so I grew up aspiring to be half as good as him. So um, he's been my biggest role model and inspiration through my whole boxing journey and um, a big part of why I started boxing, obviously, um, being a, a, a female boxer, um, I guess I kind of grew up around the sport. It was, it was normal. It was not, it seemed normal to me as a 12 year old girl, whereas a lot of other 12 year old girls would never have even thought to get into boxing, but we're slowly changing that. And, um, I've got lots of 12, 13, 14 year old girls that will follow me on social media and, um, it's definitely growing uh, women in sport in general, girls getting into sport, um, especially the male-dominated sports, which is really cool. I'm so excited. I'm so excited by, by all of this. I'm so excited by the discussion about um, women being seen as equals in sports, especially in combat sports like boxing. Um, and it just, it just seems weird that there was ever any other sort of mind frame about the situation prior to sort of where we're sitting now. Um, do you think, what was it that sort of changed the world's view on women in combat sports? Do you think it was something like the UFC and Ronda Rousey and all those sorts of things? Did that have an impact on boxing or combat in general? Or is it just a, a maturity of us as a human race, I guess, growing out of old shit mind frames? <laughs> um, I think like, um, there's a select few really brave women who really kind of made their name for themselves in these male dominated sports. Um, Katie Taylor, I think has been a massive, massive role in growing and building women's boxing around the world. Um, she 
nearly every female boxer you ask who was one of your biggest inspirations, they're going to say Katie Taylor Mm -hmm. because she was as good as the guys. That's like as simple as that. She did things that men never did. She was winning world championship gold medals after world championship gold medals, Olympic gold medal. And her name became so well known in the boxing community. Uh, Like she's a top celebrity in Ireland, but but in the boxing community, she's massive. And I think those names, Clarissa Shields, the same in USA, um, two times Olympic gold medalist by the time she was 22 or something. It's crazy. Um, Things that, had never really even happened in the in men's boxing for a, a long time. So I think those few women that did these amazing things really helped, I guess, showcase the sport and, and show girls that they could do it too, I guess. Yeah. It's so cool. Well, you go ahead, yeah, Sal. Oh, I was just going to say, with, um, with women like that paving a path for someone like yourself, is it... Is it a case of you're trying to do your own thing and be very different? Um, obviously, rather than viewing yourself as a female in a sport, you view yourself as a professional athlete. I know you're competing in amateurs, but it's all you do. So I deem it as being a professional athlete now. Or is it a case of you really um, collaborate and look towards a whole lot of other people to take you on the journey that obviously you're going on now? Um, yeah, I view myself as a, an elite athlete. I don't, I don't try and, I guess, uh, try to be anyone else or try and do anything else that anyone else is doing. I'm on my own journey and I feel like um, if I can inspire other girls and not just girls, any young person um, to, to set themselves goals and to reach those goals, then I feel like I've, I've done what I set out to do. Can you guys sort of walk me through this? So, or at least walk the viewers through this. So exactly what Sel was talking about. Being in the Olympics there as a boxer, it's amateur boxing. It's not considered professional boxing. Mm -hmm. However, if you watch Sky compete, she's fighting extremely talented human beings and she's extremely (laughs) talented. She's on the road all the time. Um, she is literally not at home for more than two weeks at a time in the entire year. I think this, correct me if I'm wrong, Sky, but this is the most time you're probably ever going to spend at home in a year for I don't know how many years. Yeah. What, what, what is the difference in considering you to be a professional athlete? Like, is that, is that a, a discussion that's in the boxing community or what, what's... <laughs> the amateur boxers um, on the Australian team are basically... Uh, professional athletes that don't get paid so basically we're training and competing Um, we're on the road full-time on bare minimum funding pretty much Um, a lot of the team have part-time casual jobs for when they are home Um, a lot of them do uh, online PT stuff with clients and things like that just to make money um, but pretty much all of us rely on sponsorship um, and the national funding from the from the sporting organisation. That's that's our income. It's not. It, there's no glitz and glam about it. It's basically we're doing this for the love of the sport, for our goals, um, and to try and win medals for Australia. That's the ultimate. And um, I think a lot of people 
see us doing all this and they think, oh, don't you work? It's like, I train three times a day, six days a week. <laughs> this is, this is my work. I just yeah. don't get paid to do it. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's, you've got to have the love for it. You've got to, you've got to want it more than you want to buy a house. Basically you've got to, you've got to sacrifice a lot of things that you could be doing with your life in order to, to be the best of the best in the amateurs. So obviously if anyone's listening to this podcast right now, we've got an amazing viewership of business owners and highly influential people uh, that listen to this um, hype cast, hit up Sky, um, help her out on her journey. Uh, she is now the face of Olympic boxing um, mm-hmm. for Australia. Um, she's going to compete at the highest level and she's a pure professional inside and out. So, hey, give, give her, a, give her a, a shout out and um, see if you can't help her out. Um, man, Sel and I always laugh. Like we're seeing you on the side of buildings, on Optus commercials and all these sorts of things. So you have been working with some of the biggest sort of brands and companies in Australia. So you've got great sort of experience in collaborating with big, big brands like that. How's that experience been? Is it difficult to kind of, um, you know, last night you were on channel nine or seven or something seven. like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you sort of deal with the promotional side of the business because that's obviously what keeps everything driving forward and then your training side of things. Um, It's good to have a balance and it's good to have other things outside of training where you can kind of switch off from the the really serious side of of training and competing. Um, It's all about time management and, and anything's possible. Like I've made things work so that I can be in certain places to do uh, certain promotional things for companies and, um, obviously my, my competitions have to come first. My boxing is always going to be my main priority, but I can make things work for, um, for anyone who wants to, to help me out. I've, of course, I'm going to be there to help them out too. Like it's a, it's a team thing. It's a, a partnership, not a sponsorship in, in my experience. That's, that's the best way it's been for me. Yeah, cool. And obviously it's a bit of a different sport for you guys where right now the pinnacle for you and, in 2021, we hope to see you walking around with some shiny bling, being a gold medal, um, which is definitely like a massive pinnacle. Pr- probably the best thing you could do within, obviously, in the amateur scene. But then once you do that um, and you turn professional, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how I understand it, you can't obviously go back to being an amateur. So is it a case of say all things go great and you win this gold medal at Tokyo, will you look to become a professional or is there more, or is it more beneficial doing like what Clarissa Shields or the likes of that did repeating the Olympics to go again as a, as an amateur? I think if I reach uh, my ultimate goal and I, I win gold in Tokyo, um, turning professional will be very seriously considered. Um, by me and my team. Um, it's not overly enticing for a female boxer at this stage to turn professional yet. Um, it's definitely growing now that the likes of Katie Taylor and Clarissa Shields are in the pro ranks, yep. um, but it's still developing and growing. And I feel um, at 25, I could definitely go for another Olympic cycle. Um and, and try and double up. I'll have another Commonwealth Games in between then as well. 
Um, so it'll really be about weighing up my options. I've definitely not set on a, on a definite decision. It'll depend on my performances, my results at the Olympic Games. And then um, I guess sitting down with my team and working out what's our, our best move next. Yeah. Sky, you have this aura of professionalism, maturity for someone of such a young age. It's really easy to forget how old you actually are um, by listening to you speak and just the way you act. We obviously um, love working with you with combat nutrition and get to see it firsthand how professional you are. Do you have a team around you that's helping you, guiding you, advising you? Are you um, close with your family? What what is it, what has sort of been the driver for that maturity at such a young age? Is it the fact that you're travelling by yourself all the time and having to look after yourself? Yeah, I think that's probably been a massive part of it. Just like from such a young age, being away from my family for weeks and months at a time um, and fending for myself in a lot of ways all the time. But I am very lucky to have a very supportive family, um, very supportive parents and um, a really close-knit group around me um, that are there for me to help me in any big decisions that I need to make. So I'm very grateful to have those people around me and um, I think they've definitely helped shape me into the person that I am today. That's amazing. Really Tell cool. us. Go ahead, Sally. No, you're on it. You should. Oh, I was just going to say, like, one thing that I feel like people would be so interested to hear is, you know, we always talk about um, on the podcast with uh, people who are combat athletes and who compete, you know, in a ring, in a cage, in front of other people. It's such a daunting thing. It's such an exciting thing to think about and you just competed at the qualifiers and achieved the best result that you could being the Olympic qualification. How was that as a feeling, as an experience? What was the best part of it? Um, walk us through your emotions and everything that happened on that, on that day. Um, I get extremely nervous, like disgusting nervous. Um, like, that day, especially the, the day um, I was boxing in the quarterfinals, which was the, the fight I needed to win um, to qualify for the Olympics, I was such a nervous mess. Like I was, my palms were so sweaty, like all day. And I was like restless. I just, I couldn't sit still. I just wanted to be doing something all the time. And I just was constantly thinking about the fight and thinking about, oh, everything and anything and everything and um i i think that is good for people to know that even after 140 fights after doing all the things i've already done in my boxing career i still get so incredibly nervous like not even just for like such an important fight but even just like local boxing fights i still get so nervous because i put so much pressure on myself i i put so much work in the gym and i, I want people to see the best of me when i go out there and I think that's the most, the most thing I get nervous about. It's not even about losing. It's just making sure that I go out there and do myself proud and do my coaching, my coaching team proud. Um, I think that for me is why I get so nervous. But yeah, that day um, I felt like I got ready for my fight way earlier than I normally would. Like I had my boxing clothes on, like my actual kit on like three hours before I left for the venue because I just was like, I'm ready. I'm ready now. Like all day. It was ridiculous. My roommate was totally over me that day. But um, 
Uh, no, we had, we had a good laugh and we tried to just keep it really fun and casual the best we could. Um, but yeah, I think the best thing you can do is just to keep smiling and having fun and honestly pretend you feel fine. Even if you are completely shitting yourself, like lie, lie to yourself, lie to everyone around you and you will automatically start feeling better. And I feel like that's what I always do. I just, I put on my music. I I listen to songs that make me feel happy and relaxed. And um, like, I, I don't listen to serious pump up music because I'm already so nervous. Like I need something to bring me down. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, I think that day I, I already knew, like, I felt like I already knew I, I was qualifying that day and it was just about getting the job done. Like all the hard work had been done and I just wanted to go out and have fun. And, and that was exactly what I did. I had so much fun in that fight and, and I, I got to really just get into my rhythm and, and do what I, I do best and I, I had a ball and the whole experience was just really fun for me. That's so cool. Really, cool. really, really cool. What's, uh, you mentioned your playlist. What's, what's on it before, before a fight? <laughs> um, it's a pretty chill playlist. Um, yeah. Got like a lot of everything on it and there's some really embarrassing songs on there that like, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't want to tell people about. But <laughs> Honestly, like since my first world championships, um, not my first world championships, but when I won the medal in Kazakhstan, I don't know why, but I always listen to this really old song by Selena Gomez. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Basically, it's a song about um, being perfectly imperfect. Um, It's called Who Says, and it's basically like saying, who says you can't be the best and who says you can't. Yeah, I don't know. It's just this... There's something about it that I listen to it and I think, yeah, I can be the best. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. It's such a lame song. And it's like, I think it came from <laughs> when I was like 14 or something. But um, yeah, that one is almost a must listen to. And then the rest is all just pretty chill stuff. Like I listen to a lot of like old throwback music, like Here Comes the Sun, like like the Beatles and stuff like that. Like really chill, like happy like relaxed music, I guess. That's dope. Yeah. If you want to be Olympic champion, chuck on some <laughs> Selena Gomez to get pumped up. <laughs> but something that I'm interested in is like, you talk about how nervous you get mm. before a fight and you say every fight, I just get so nervous. Yeah. And people, the everyday person avoids nerves wherever yeah. they can. They avoid uncomfort wherever they can. What is it that keeps you going back to the ring when you know that you're going to go through that uncomfortable stage again and again each time because the feeling of winning and getting your hand raised and all of the hours and hours of hard work and dedication that has gone into before those moments completely outweighs all of the nervous feelings um and also when I'm in the ring and that first bell rings all of those nerves completely disappear Mm -hmm. when I'm in there I enjoy myself I'm having fun I'm doing what I do every single day and um yeah all of the nerves disappear and um when you get your hand raised at the end of a battle and you've put everything on the line and and left it all in there it's there's there's no feeling that can compare with that yeah cool i know that um a lot of people probably see boxing and see it as being a brutally hard sport um obviously you're getting punched for a living which is it's definitely one of the hardest career pathways you could ever choose. But outside of that, there's obviously a lot that goes into it as well. Um, things like weight cutting and 
obviously getting to and from all these venues we see you all over the world and they're not like locations like just going to melbourne or sydney like they are real obscure locations that yeah. take hours and hours upon a plane and you're definitely not traveling first class or business class or anything <laughs> like that so it's um it's a fair level of uncomfort but what is it um basically what i was trying to get at is give give people an insight into like the process even can be like the weight cut process because i remember seeing one video of you having to cut half your hair off to make weight so it's not the glamorous part of winning comes from quite a lot of hard work and sacrifice yeah i don't know what it is about amateur boxing but they like to take us to honestly the most obscure and random places in the world that you never thought you'd go um obviously the most recent ones being in amman jordan which i'd never really even heard of or thought of going there yeah. but a few weeks before going there we were going there so that was happening um, i've been to kazakhstan and bulgaria a few times just like the most random places but yeah, yeah it's definitely not the glamorous lifestyle that sometimes we can make it look like on instagram always traveling yeah. and, and whatnot but um the weight cut process would definitely be my least favorite part about boxing yeah. um and definitely something that i've struggled with especially the last uh, one or two years. Um, I made the choice to go down a weight division um, for the Commonwealth Games and then the Olympics following that. Um, I've stayed at 57, um, which was the right choice, but it has been a hard choice. So um, it's definitely not um, easy yeah. at all, but I feel like it's where I should be. So. Um, that was a decision that I had to make with my team and um, there's definitely been uh, good days and bad days with 57. Yeah. Sometimes I like that number and sometimes I really, really don't like that number. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right now, we don't even look at numbers. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I started working with uh, Geordie, the fight dietitian, um, about 12 months ago. And um, it's definitely getting a lot better. Um, Is it the first time that you've worked with, obviously, a professional like Geordie to handle your, your diet? Um, so the AIS and um, QAS, so the Queensland Academy of Sport and the Australian Institute of Sport um, support, have uh, nutritionists available for us to have contact with and stuff. But mm-hmm. I feel like Geordie being so, um, I guess, combat sport based, yeah. And like that being his, um, I guess, main main thing that he works with is with athletes that are actually making weight. I just found him to be so much more understanding and beneficial mm-hmm. um, for me personally um, with a lot of the nutritionists that help us. Um, nothing against them at all. Like they're, they're great and they're professional and they do everything um, really to the books. But I feel like they don't always fully understand the um the the whole struggle with weight making day mm-hmm. after day. And that was a, that was one of the things that sort of Geordie always talks about is his focus in combat sports because yeah sure he can make a jockey um, this is obviously the, what he says he can make a jockey lose weight or cut weight but it's understanding what 
you as a combat athlete go through day after day because he boxes as well. So he understands when you need your energy, um, when you don't need as much energy and, and how to time your meals and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I, I found that was the big difference between working with Geordie compared to a lot of other nutritionists that I have worked with. And um, we've definitely come a long way since um, we first uh, did our first um, meal plan together. And um, we're really excited now that um, this time with the coronavirus crisis going on, we've actually got um, a solid block of time ahead of us now to really try and um, play with things and see how my body reacts to, to different um, calorie intakes and things like that. So we're pretty excited. You just mentioned obviously about the coronavirus. Um, obviously that's had a huge impact on your life. Tell us about sort of when you heard about the news and obviously how it's affected you now. So, um, well, the first time the coronavirus affected my life was when our Olympic qualifiers were supposed to be in Wuhan, China. Um, yeah, (laughs) I'd never heard of Wuhan in my life and all of a sudden it's this, um, crazy virus that's taking over the world coming from this particular city. But, um, yeah, so about a week from flying out to Wuhan, um, we got told that our qualifiers were cancelled um, and we'll be sent a new location and a new date um, as that would become available. Um, so that kind of messed with my preparation a little bit. Um, obviously, I was ready to go, like I was ready to go and qualify then. But everything happens for a reason. And about a week later, we found out that the qualifiers had been pushed back five weeks and they were going to be in Jordan. So um, that was the first kind of coronavirus thing that I'd kind of I'd heard about it and whatnot. Um, while I was in Jordan, um, I think things were starting to get a little bit more serious here. Not so much here in Australia, but um, globally. Um, and I got home from the Olympic qualifiers about 24 hours before they brought in the rule to self-quarantine. So I got back just in, just in time before things got um, pretty hectic as they have over the last couple of weeks since I got home. Um, but I think the scariest day was when um, the prime minister pulled the Australian team out of the Olympics and said we wouldn't be sending a team. I think that was the scariest um, part for me because at that stage, all we'd been told was that the Olympics were still 100% going ahead um, in July 2020. And to hear that news was um, very scary. Um, But it was only about 24 hours until we then heard that the Olympic Games were going to be postponed and then waiting for confirmation on that and waiting for confirmation on the qualified athletes. Staying qualified was all a bit scary as well, but... um, obviously receiving that confirmation was uh, a big weight off my shoulders and I just started to focus on the positives after that. And, and I guess that being that only six girls around the world have qualified in my weight division for the Olympics at this stage and, and to use that to my advantage. Um, that's one less pressure and stress that I have on me and 12 extra months to be the best boxer I can be and make sure that I finish on the top of that podium. Yeah. Cool. How many, how many girls, um, would be in your weight category fighting for 20? Yeah, so there's 20 in my weight division um, at the Olympics. Uh, It's not the biggest female weight division and it's not the smallest, but it is the most populated in the world. So 
I say I'd say it's one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive weight division out of all the female weight divisions. And, and is it is it a knockout process or is it like a pool pool process to advance type of situation or is it once you lose you're out? Yeah. 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 So sweet. I think there will be um, four seeds. Yeah. And the um, seeds go through the first so first that, one. Yeah. yeah. They'll be automatically in the round of sixteen. Yeah. And, um, there'll be, I think, eight will box off and the other four will get buys. Yeah. Uh, but you could draw the seed one in the first fight and you could be the second best in the division and you can be yeah. out. So mm-hmm. um, the draw is massive in boxing. It's huge. Yeah. It can be a massive part of it. But sure. I guess you've just pretty much... I've got 19 possible opponents and I yeah. need to be prepared to beat all 19 of them come July 2021. Are you going to be... Sorry, I was just going to say, it's a crazy crazy game where you've um, worked four years running and you've done all these different types of things and it can come down to literally a pick from, from a pick from a hat for four years of work and you fight one person, um, you can win and you crush their dream or they could win and crush your dream. And that's four years of just sheer brutality that um, I, I would never understand it because I haven't ever gone to an Olympics and never will, um, that I look at athletes that do what you do and just can't have the, the most utmost respect that it all it all literally comes down to, Gosh. yeah, it, it's brutal. It, it's as brutal as life possibly can be yeah. where, where people are like, your dreams are crushed, that's legit, like... You've worked, put everything into such a process and it's going to come down to seconds um, that everything moves forward or doesn't move forward. So, yeah, mad mad props to all you guys that are doing what you're doing. One of my teammates, um, Christy, just at the most recent Olympic qualifiers, um, she had a really unlucky decision at the last Olympic qualifiers um, to go to Rio. Yeah. And four years later, she came back and we got the draw in Jordan and she drew the number one seed up first. Um, So basically, same thing again. She had the closest of close fights. You could easily say she would have been the second best in the division. If not, we thought she could have even got the decision in the fight against the number one girl. That's it. She's out. She has to wait for that last chance world qualifier whenever that might be now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was her that was her chance after four years of of pushing on again after missing out on the last ones to just yeah. to lose in the eyes of a couple of people. That, that was the other thing that I didn't even think about just then until you mentioned it, the judges. Yeah. That it's not only you're fighting against another opponent, you're fighting against judges where not saying boxing judges per se are crooked, but there has been a history of well, definitely it's perception yeah. um yeah. So it's not it's not a running race or a swimming race where it's whoever crosses the line first wins or touches yeah. the wall first wins it's how five random strangers that you've never seen before um see the fight and how yeah. who they think did enough to win and when there's nothing in it and it's so close then it's a lot of luck there's a lot of luck that's the thing as well like people don't understand as well as it's like when you get to the highest level of boxing and you've got two incredible boxers against each other and they're kind of cancelling themselves out Mm -hmm. there's there's not there's not much activity or there's not 
there's only like millimeters in it. So it's just like, it can be really hard for a judge to determine who's the winner. Like you're saying, it's completely subjective, Definitely. which is the scary thing. Yeah. Are you going to fight within this next 12 month period before the Olympics to maintain your ring? Definitely. Experience? Yeah. Um, 100%. Um, as soon as all of this um, crisis is under control and the travel bans lifted and competitions are going ahead again. I'm certain that um, Boxing Australia will be getting us out there competing um, as soon as possible. Uh, we already had planned um, for post Jordan to go box in a competition in Spain and um, go on to a multi-nations camp in Paris, but that obviously all got scratched. Um, so I guess at the moment, it's just a bit of a waiting game. Um, waiting to see how all this um, plays out. Mm -hmm. And I think um, then we can start planning once we have a few more concrete things in place. It does sound like it's, it's fun. Like, obviously, we talk about, you know, how you're living sort of, you know, with, at, at your bare minimum and, you know, you're having to work with sponsors and partners to sort of survive. But at the end of the day, you're traveling to all these amazing locations and you're living a really cool life. And, oh, I'm living when I, <laughs> and when I watch you sort of on Instagram or whatever it might be, you're always traveling with a core group of, you know, girls and guys who are on the same journey as you. So it looks like you've got a little traveling boxing family that, you know, you can relate to and chat to. And yeah. is that what it's like for you? Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. We've got um, a really cool group, uh, especially this year's national team. Um, I couldn't say a bad word about any of them. Like, we've got such a, like, tight-knit... It's like a family, which is really cool. Like, um, especially us girls, the five of us girls that um, are on the national team at the moment have been travelling together for years and years and years. Um, Caitlin and I uh, have been travelling and training alongside each other since 2011 our first junior world championships together she's from Perth and I'm from Gold Coast uh, like opposite sides of the country and she's one of my closest friends um, so to be rooming with her and um, qualifying for the Olympics together after such a massive journey since we were 14 15 years old has been um, a really really cool experience and um, I I do think that I'm living the dream like 100% I love what I do and I wouldn't want it any other way. And, and that's another massive part of why I don't, I don't feel any rush to go off into the professional um, ranks because I do it for the love of the sport. I don't do it for making a living. Yeah, that's cool. If um, boxing's like kind of made a real resurgence, I think it, in part mainly due to like the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fights, um, Anthony Joshua being such a prominent figure in, they always say when heavyweight boxing is doing well, then it passes down to the rest yeah. rest of the sport. Are you noticing a resurgence in boxing due to everything, all the activity and the excitement going on around the sport? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think the sport's always growing. I think um, I think with the big names that have been boxing in the pro ranks over the last couple of years has definitely helped. I think Jeff Horn's been a massive help in growing boxing in Australia as well, um, which has been awesome. Like the numbers are always growing. The The quality of the boxing is getting better. The depth yeah. in Australia is getting so much better. And, um, and I hope we can just keep getting better and better. 
yeah, it's really it's really cool to see because um, obviously you're our only female boxer on um, Team Combat, and we have Benny, who's our male boxer on there, and people do know we're probably more heavily dominated by martial arts um, on there, and it's just mainly because that's where Miles' background started from, and then I followed him. He started being my coach and everything, but having you guys um, around the gym and getting involved with everything we do is really cool because... It's something we don't get to see as much of, but then when we do get to see, you see the skill set, um, how vastly different it is and everything that you guys go through and it adds another dimension to everything we're doing within that. Is there, with the community of boxing, do you all like kind of band together? Because I know Benny's like pro, but obviously you being a female boxer, being local on the Gold Coast, is it a very big like community push of like Gold Coast boxers or where you're from plays a big part in it? I think Australian boxing community as a whole, professional yeah. and amateur, is all pretty um, under one banner pretty much. Yeah, cool. um, when it comes to social media and yeah. um, online discussions and things like that, um, we've all kind of been banded together as one, which is amazing, which is cool, yeah. really it good. Um, it's good for when um, our amateurs do go over to the pros and, and seeing how they make their mark in that new stage, new chapter of their life as well. Yeah. What, do you do, what do you do outside of boxing? Um, I study part-time with Griffith Uni. Um, I'm studying a Bachelor of Public Relations and Communications. Ah, really? Yeah. Really cool. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. That's cool. I'm doing it pretty self-paced. Um, yeah. super supportive they know boxing comes first and um, study kind of takes a backseat a lot of the time when things get hectic but um, yeah no the the uni is super supportive of my sporting and um, yeah I'm just chipping away at it slowly but surely yeah it's so cool awesome. yeah really really cool and if you were to refer to like probably your strongest suit when it comes to comes to the sport or just in life in general in terms of whether it's your work ethic or mental toughness or speed, power, agility, what would you say is your, your best point oh, uh -huh. in the sport? Um, I, I think for me, I would say maybe my timing and reaction yep. would be... Yeah, cool would be my like I guess strong point um mental toughness has been a big thing that I've worked on I used to be not mentally strong at all yeah. um so that one's come a long way as well and I work with a really good sports psych and um do a lot of mindset training and stuff um which has been a massive influence on my physical performances which I was pretty surprised with as well um, when I first started working with my sports psych, but um, I definitely feel like I've become a very resi resilient person um, through boxing. Boxing's definitely <laughs> given me some hard lessons in life and um, has definitely built that mental toughness. So um, yeah, mental toughness would probably be one as well. That's so cool. Do you think that your speed and power and agility and everything has come as a matter of DNA from your obviously boxing family? 
or is it just something you've worked so hard? <laughs> no way. I think I was not meant to be an athletic person at all. And I've just like gone against all my DNA. Um, I, I don't think I had any kind of natural athletic ability, to be honest. Um, I was never a good runner. I was never physically strong or fast or anything like it's it's been a lot of years of hard work to be honest (laughs) that shows a lot of mental toughness just in that you just had a a desire to succeed in the sport and just went after it yeah definitely definitely because um the first few years of my boxing as a junior I didn't really take it very seriously and I got by on a little bit of natural talent with my timing and um my reaction and things like that but speed and power and all that which I definitely needed to 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 get to that next level that that all came from a lot of hard work <laughs> I liked you talking about having you know your psych that you work with you know you obviously talk you talk about working with them on mental toughness and I feel like that that's talking about the offense it's kind of like getting your mind ready for your performance but I do you also talk to them about you know, when you're going through a low, because I'd imagine in the sport, there's so many highs and lows, you get a bad decision and you're like, fuck, that was meant to be my qualifier for this. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically, it's just someone that you can openly discuss all of your darkest thoughts about sport with and they give you tools and ways to deal with the emotions that you're feeling and um, it's a really nice way to not feel judged or feel like, um, you're selfish or wrong for feeling certain ways about certain things. And um, I guess teaching you ways to deal with that and, and giving you tools and things in place so that when you feel these feelings, you know how to deal with them, which um, has been a massive help for me, especially through some um, tough setbacks. That's amazing. Sel, did you ever have a mental coach when you were playing professional rugby? No, rug- rugby, well, rugby league anyway is... It's one of those weird, weird sports where I think people view it on TV in Australia and you see it every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, a lot of the players are in the spotlight. But in regards to like the professionalism around it, there wasn't that much. Like there wasn't that much like in terms of I'm doing it tough type of thing and you would go and see a psych or you would get assistance with that. The good thing, I guess, with um, Sky and sports like boxing, and I... This is the reason why American athletes do so well is they have a huge amateur system and the amateur system brings you along via college and you compete at that and you get all the support and the mentorship and the the advice and the guidance from people that have done it before you and then you go professional. And then once you go professional, you, you know what you're doing effectively because you're being guided the right way. Rugby league is kind of one of those things where you get plucked out of school at 16, 17, you get thrust into this spotlight. Sometimes you get given too much money. You have too much time because you go, you train once in the morning, once in the arvo. Some days are one a day. Some days there's no, nothing. And then you're sitting there for a lot of the guys twiddling your thumbs. And that's when you kind of can lose your mind. Like you see a lot of, a lot of people just do the wrong stuff because they haven't been taught or given the right guidance. Whereas someone like Sky, she said before, will train three times a day. We'll work with, if she wants a nutritionist from the QAS, there's one there, but she may go get her own personal one. She's traveling a lot. She's within a team environment. 
it's there's not this disconnect. So mm. I um but then the flip side to that is she's not getting paid. Mm. So so there's like a catch almost a catch twenty two between the amateur and professional, which is why even like with basketball and stuff out, certain people just want to go straight pro into the NBA because you're gonna get big coins. Yeah. But but at the same time, you're gonna miss a lot of the things that can develop you as a human to mm. do all these other stuff. So sports and stuff, like any anyone that's doing sports at a high level with an infinite time frame to get to the top. And when you're at the top, there's someone trying to knock you off and there's media and then there's people trying to backstab you. Like mm. sports is the most savage type of competitive environment you can be in. So a lot of people aspire to be professional athletes. And I often say to them, careful what you wish for. Cause yeah. it's, it can be so, so harsh. What type of person do you have to be to do what you do, Sky? Um, I think resilience is definitely a massive part of it. Um, I think you need to be quite independent. Um, and you need to be motivated, self-motivated. You need to get yourself out of bed every morning and, and, and be there ready to give your all every single training session and, um, driven. Yeah. Driven, motivated, uh, independent and resilient. I'd say that'd be the main things that you need to, to be a, a top international contender in the amateur boxing world. Do you feel as though, do you have a routine or do you have something that you tell yourself to keep yourself motivated? Um, is it the team around you that help you keep motivated? Um, are they as motivated as you? Are you more made it motivated than them? What's the, what's the scenario? We all kind of bounce off each other, which is, um, it's such an awesome feeling, like knowing that they're all going through the same thing you are. And um, it's just an extra little push knowing they're getting up to go to training too. So you'd want to be there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, just like knowing you're not doing it alone, I think is a massive part. And um, I think it's a massive part of why I much prefer being in that training environment with the team um, rather than being isolated at home and trying to, um, I guess, mirror what you're doing with the team, but doing it on your own. It's a lot mm -hmm. less motivating. <laughs> um, so I definitely think that we, we bounce off each other and, and help motivate each other. And, um, and we see that in our results when we've been training together as a team. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you ever sit there and feel like, you know, you're imagining your opponent is, you know, training harder than you. So that motivates you to do that a little bit extra. Are you yeah. constantly, you know, competing against your imaginary opponent? Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Especially in the sessions that I, that I dislike the most, like sprint sessions and things like that. I'll imagine they're running next to me and I want to be the one to cross the line before they do. Um, things like that definitely help with um, motivation and pushing yourself past your limits or past what you thought were your limits and, and um, reaching that, that next level, I think um, is a massive part of it as well. Is there anything you're thinking at other than the Olympics or is the Olympics it? Are you just solely focused on, performing your best at the Olympics right now and not letting anything in your, your blinders right now. The Olympics is my whole bubble. There's nothing <laughs> else. Like, uh, it's been my whole bubble since I missed out on the, the Rio qualifiers. It's uh, the Olympics is 
100% focus that it's tunnel vision. There's nothing else, no, nothing can, can replace the, the drive that I have for, um, for making all my dreams come true next year. That's amazing. Yeah. That'd be cool. So what's the first thing you do if, if you come back with the, with the gold medal? Actually, rephrase that. You're in Japan and you've won the gold medal. What would be, be the first thing that you would do? I don't know. I honestly... She hasn't thought past, past, past no. that. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> there's nothing... There's no other thoughts. It's just yeah. that. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. Like, um, I feel like winning the gold at the Commonwealth Games, um, there was so much pressure for me to win the gold. It was like expected that I was going to win the gold. Um, and when I won it, it was almost more a feeling of relief yeah. than the kind yeah, of happiness and, and stuff that I'd always dreamed of feeling in that moment. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like it'll be like that with the Olympics. Um, we've never won an Olympic medal, uh, for women's boxing and we've never won an Olympic gold, yep. ever, male, male yeah. or female, um, yeah. for Australia. So I feel like there's a lot less pressure in that sense and a lot less yeah. expectation in that sense that when I do finally make it happen, yeah. I'll get to feel the joy and oh, the unexplainable feelings that I expected to feel the first time around. I feel like yeah. the Olympic gold medal will, will give me those feelings. Sky, what would you tell what would you tell a girl that's sitting on the couch or sitting at home watching this and just going, "Fuck, I really want to pursue boxing. I don't have the encouragement or support around me to do this. What's my first step?" What What would you tell someone like that? Uh, your first step would be message me on Instagram, and I'll give you the support and encouragement you need. Love it. Um, honestly, no. I think if you want to try it out, go and try it out because. I can almost guarantee you'll love it. You'll fall in love with it. It's addictive. Um, find your local boxing club. Have a little look on Google. It's pretty easy to, to find um, local boxing clubs and, and just go down and, and check it out and, and see how you go. Um, I haven't met many people that didn't like it. Um, it's, it's a very cool sport and I think... The more numbers we can get involved, the more people will be talking about it and the more you'll, people will realise how underappreciated our sport is, especially in Australia. So, what, um, would you, what would you tell a, a sort of a female that's worried or concerned about walking into a gym because of obviously a gym being dominated by males and what they should mentally prepare for and how they should break through that sort of objection to walking into the gym? I can't speak for every boxing gym in the world, but every boxing gym around the world that I've ever been to has been nothing but supportive. Um, I've never seen someone being laughed at or made fun of for trying out boxing ever. Um, everyone has to start somewhere. Everyone's always a beginner at some point. And I think just like accepting that that is where you're at and this is your level, you're only going to get better. And hopefully the people around you at that boxing gym will be as supportive as they've always been um, whenever I've visited any gym around the world. Um, uh, boxing kind of brings people together. And I think um, 
I think you'll you'll find your little boxing family and you'll feel very supported and um, very motivated to just keep getting better and um, the people around you should help push you to be the best you can be. Yeah, really cool. I've, I've found um, female boxing, right, and just female combat sports in general, so captivating over the most recent period of time. Even, even girls like Taylor Harris, um, mainly doing the crossover, like, Killing it in a male-dominated sport in AFL, and then coming into a male-dominated sport in boxing, and really putting it on the map um, in all aspects. And um, to be honest, I find females because we're in marketing way easier to market, um, and probably a lot of the time it's easier to work with because I guess they're probably used to not getting a lot of attention within these male-dominated sports, so they're willing to do so much more to push their brand and profile and, and the fights um, that they put on for whatever reason are always amazing. So yeah, if, um, if there are females looking to get into it, um, like you said, it's growing. It's, and I just think they get so much out of joining a sport like this, yeah. whereas they may have traditionally gone to another sport that may be female orientated. I'm sure they'll get a lot out of this. That, yeah, there's definitely a lot of opportunity available. And um, I think while the sport's still in this growth period, it's the best time to, to get involved and mm. make your mark in the sport. That's epic. Sky, obviously we want to talk to you forever and we've hit the surface of you, but there's obviously more that we want to find out about you and we'll obviously get you on the Hypecast again. But to leave our viewers with, or oh, sorry, our viewers, all listeners now, um, with some sort of words of encouragement, anything you live by, any quotes that you have written up in your wall or in your gym, what's something that you can leave with our viewers? Um, I think the message that I've always wanted to get across is anything is possible. If you can dream it, if you can believe it, then you can do it. And um, it's something that took me a long time to believe myself. But honestly, if you set your mind to something, you can do it. You can achieve it. Um, and if you work hard enough, you will get there. And I think that's just been the biggest message that I've wanted to get across to as many people as I possibly can because it's 100% the truth. It's, um, I think anything is possible. And um, if, you, if you chase something hard enough, you'll, you'll get there eventually. Well, we reckon that you'll get to um, achieve your dreams of being an obviously Olympic athlete, but even getting on the pedal on the on the um, podium would be unbelievable. So we'll obviously really look forward to watching your journey and um, getting all of Australia behind you on your journey. And um, when all of this Corona, you know, nonsense yeah. <laughs> goes. So thanks so much, obviously, for joining us. I really, really appreciate you giving your time and. Um, yeah, stay Bye. safe and healthy and we'll chat to you soon. Thanks, awesome. so much. We'll catch up soon. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Bye, guys.